Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. This episode of Tech Stuff is brought to you by Hover.com. Hover is all about making domain registration and service simple, rather than selling a ton of services. They focus on making it easy to register and manage domains and emails. Hover has two new domain services: premium domains and clunker trade-ins. If you have any clunker domains registered with Hover, now you can trade them in. If you have domains you've registered or renewed at Hover, and you'd like to upgrade your domain, Hover will take your old domains back. Hover will credit you everything you've spent on your old clunker with Hover, the original registration fee, and any renewal fees. Visit Hover today at hover.com/techstuff. If you need a standard domain, use offer code techstuff and get 10% off. If you want to trade in a clunker, just call the customer service number on their website or email. That's hover.com/techstuff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pellet, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. He was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the Gulf Stream, and he had gone eighty-four days now without taking a fish. Okay, then. Obviously, the first line to two thousand one: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> I thought that was the. Uh... Uh, the intro to Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes, yes, fish is coming. All right, so uh, we're we're actually a our, stark picture. Yeah, our our uh, still sharp. Our episode today comes qu- uh, courtesy of a listener, and this one is a message from Twitter. So let's hear that tweeting sound effect. <laughs> I think I actually heard our producer say do 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 out there. Tweet tweet. tweet. Oh, was it tweet tweet tweet? Yes. Lovely. I hope that <laughs> I hope that's what we use. Anyway, uh, I won't know till I get to listen to this later. But this comes to us from Wayne P seventy two, who says, "Would love to hear a show on old tech that won't go away, i.e., the facts." Well, we are going to do an episode about that, but not one on just the facts. I wanted to do the uh, theme, and I thought to Dragnet. Yeah, yeah, we might get sued. Yeah, I was wondering. I was looking, oh, and I'm no. like, "Is he gonna do it? No. Is he? Uh, he's not <clears throat> our guy, Friday." So no. anyway, we are going to talk about technology that a lot of people feel, or at least some people feel, or at least we at Tech Stuff feel, has run its course and yet is still around. Yes, and the facts is one of those. So we actually had a couple that we thought about that we ended up uh, uh, deciding not to include in this list. But we should yeah. go ahead and mention them because a couple of years ago they may have made the list. Yeah, that's true. And it's funny because right before we were we were going to record, we were talking about how we had done an episode on abandonware, which is stuff that uh, people just give up on. Yeah, yeah. Compa- is- Usually it's a company that gives up on it. Yeah. But yeah, it's the stuff that people no longer even bother using, and and it's just sort of part of history. Yeah, this is the opposite. This is the, like, this is the stuff people will not let go of. And the two that we were thinking of that we did not include because we just feel that they've both kind of faded away enough so that it's a very small percentage of people that still hold on to these are pagers, mm-hmm. which you know sometimes some people like, there are a few people yeah, that still use them, especially. Folks in like the medical field or whatever will still use them, but pagers have pretty much been replaced by cell phones and smartphones. Yeah, and uh, PDAs also replaced 
primarily by, by smartphones. smartphones. Yeah, personal digital assistants, not yeah. public displays of affection. Those will never go out of style. Smoochy, smoochy. So <laughs> those are the two that we almost included but didn't because we feel that there, there's just not enough of a population supporting them to merit being on this list. Yep. Well, so uh, uh, since Wayne brought this up, we probably should go ahead and start with fax machines. Yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the fax machine... Still used in, in many, many offices. You still see uh, people's fax numbers. You know, there's one out there in the office. Yeah, um, I've actually used it quite a few times. Yep, yep. But the thing is, I mean, well, it uses, you know, of course, it uses a similar imaging technology to uh, a scanner or, or a, copier. a copier machine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing really wrong with it. It, uh, you know, it has a modem. That, that's the uh, that's part of the problem, I think. It, yeah. it has a modem in it. And, uh, you know, when you when you scan some stuff, and it saves it in memory. These days it does anyway. You don't have to put it in one page at a time, although you used to. Yes. Um, or you put it on there and it would it dials a number and makes a connection with the, the fax machine on the other side, just like you would uh, with a, a dial-up call. internet yeah. connection. Um, you know, there's a handshake between the two devices. They agree on the protocol and it says, okay, go ahead, send your whatever message this is going to be. And, uh, you know, the uh, the fax either takes... The information from memory, or it scans each page individually and sends it along down the line, uh, really slowly. And um, the receiving machine receives that information, decodes it, mm-hmm. changes it into the type of information it needs in order to print, prints to some paper, and then you have the facts on the other end. Yep, uh, which somebody puts in a tray, and it never gets to the person it's supposed to. Did you ever have to use a fax machine that had a roll of paper as oh, opposed yeah. to individual sheets? Yeah, they had the uh, thermal printers. Yes. And, of course, that, that just curls up. Yes. Also, it's coated with phthalates. Yes. Anyway. I do not miss those days. Now, so, uh, today, we So, could, what will we do instead? Right. What we could do is, let's say, we have a scanner and we just scan a document in and send it via, you know, change it over to, say, a PDF format, mm-hmm. which is uh, uh, readily available. It's easy to find a reader for PDF. A lot a of free pro- reader. A free reader. And a lot of uh, word processing doc- programs and things are capable of reading a PDF file. And uh, you just uh, send that via email, mm-hmm. and you don't have to worry about wasting paper or any of that mess. Or if, say, a fax machine is busy... Uh, with a with a call, then you won't get a rejection and have to try it again. That's another thing that can be kind of ir- irritating with uh, sending a fax. Let's say you've got like a 20-page fax and you start going through, and you don't know until it's gone through all 20 pages, stored it in memory, and tried to send it that it didn't go through successfully. Maybe you didn't put in the number correctly. Maybe the machine on the other end is not turned on properly or it's or it's busy. And then you have to try and do it again. Yes. It's so irritating. But then, you know, yeah, scanning it and sending it by, via PDF, much uh, much more fa- uh, paper-friendly anyway. You don't have to worry about wasting so much paper. Yes. And also, you know, it's not so time-consuming. Uh, that being said, I still fax things because often some of the conferences I go to request that they I, I send credentials, and I have to send them via fax. Uh, not all of them accept email. Plus, depending upon your access to a scanner or a copier that can have scanning functionality, you may not have that luxury. Mm-hmm. So I think fax machine is kind of borderline on this because there is technology out there that can do stuff that would replace the fax machine. I don't know that it's propagated widely enough yet for it to really happen, I mean, especially for small businesses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For large businesses, almost all of them have some sort of scanner or copier that can 
can replace a fax machine. Sure. I think we're on the verge, really, of yeah. this this being uh, a technology that's like that. But it's uh, it's far enough along the way that you could you could make the argument. I think yeah. it's a, a valid ar- a valid argument um, to include it on this list. But there's some other stuff I think that that merits that. Oh, hit me uh, with one. Well, Let's talk this about this one is also on the verge. Okay. Landlines. Yeah, landlines again. Uh, more and more people are abandoning a landline in favor of just having a cell phone mm-hmm. because you know, for one thing, a lot of people don't want to have to deal with two different phone bills mm-hmm. uh, or have like something packaged up where they have fewer choices. You know, there are a lot of services out there that will package a cell phone and landline. Uh, uh, Offering, right? Yeah, Where like, you can a, get like a bundle. Yeah, you can get it bundled, but then you are limited to whatever options they have. You don't, you, you can't just go out and say, "Oh, I happen to really love this one particular phone. I want that to go with this plan." That's not the way that works. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think you see that primarily from companies that offer both landlines and. You know, you don't see a lot of cell phone providers going, hey, you know what? We're going to get into the landline business. Yeah, it's not. Well, it's kind of hard to edge into that. But, uh, yeah, landlines are starting to kind of disappear. Now, there are some legitimate reasons why keeping a landline around is not a bad idea. What, like uh, emergency calls? Emergency calls is a big one because uh, your call can be traced to your location very easily over a landline so that, uh, let's say there's an emergency where you can't even vocalize, maybe. Yeah. yeah, which can happen. Yeah, you know, sometimes dialing an emergency number—that's all you might be able to do. Well, with a landline, they're going to be able to find you. With a cell phone or smartphone, they may not be able to get your location as accurately as they could with over a landline or even a uh, a VoIP line. You'll find out that a lot of VoIP services have issues with calling emergency services. Uh, that being said, that uh, you can usually get a landline phone and plug it into any outlet, and it'll still allow you to make emergency calls, even if you don't have a landline account. Mm-hmm. So you can still make a, a call to, well, in the United States, a call to 911, for example. Yeah. Um, in the UK, that number is a really, really long one, according to the IT crowd, and you have to sing it to a song. <laughs> But anyway, uh, yeah, no, it's an, it's an episode that anyone who's watched the IT crowd will get that. Anyone who hasn't, you should go watch the IT crowd because it's awesome. Or the it crowd if you prefer. Anyway, uh, the, the other reason, uh, besides for emergencies is, uh, is that it's something that if there's a, a, a power outage on cell service, mm-hmm. you have an, you have an alternate means of communication. Right. So not just personal emergencies, but, Regional emergencies. It's a mm-hmm. good thing to have. Uh, that being said, I think there it is more common to run into people who have just adopted the cell phone only approach. Yeah, I mean, my household is that way. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, you can take it with you, and you know, you you have your phone no matter where you are. Yeah. So when you're at home, you have your phone. Well, that and the phone itself is really for a lot of people, myself included. It's it's transitioning into a device that I use to access the internet more than I use to for voice communication. Yeah. Because almost all my communication now, or a lot of my communication now, is through text messages, email, and social networking services. It's it's you know I, I usually make two or three calls a day, but they're very short and they're usually with between me and my wife. Yeah. Um, mostly me apologizing for something stupid I've done. I'm sorry, baby. That's how every single conversation starts. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I've actually heard one side of that conversation before. Yeah. 
Well, so, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a rare thing. So, uh, so do you have a list? Set I do. Up? do you have I some do. That you How like about you? this? Okay. Calculators and adding machines. Interesting. Because there's computers do computers it. Computers do it. Smartphones do it. I mean, you've got even a, birds and bees do it. You've got a lot of calculators built into other devices. So to see a standalone calculator is kind of interesting in the sense, you know, we have that, we have the technology at our fingertips almost all the time. So why do we need standalone calculators apart from scientific calculators? Yeah. Which I mean, or graphing calculators. And a lot of a lot again, a lot of computers yeah. and smartphones can do that. You just have to get the apps for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I can understand someone wanting one of those uh, as opposed to a phone. And there are certain applications where I can I can be a little more lenient. For yeah. example, let's say that you are in a university class and you have a final mm-hmm. and you're allowed to have a calculator next to your, your work on your final. You might not be allowed to have a smartphone because you might use the smartphone to cheat. Yep. Right? Yep. So in that case, I can – that's a specific – case where I'm like, all right, I understand that. But for a lot of the things that we use calculators for, either a calculator program on a computer or a smartphone or a spreadsheet can do all of that work, sometimes in a way that's much easier because Mm -hmm. you can do things like in a spreadsheet, you can copy and paste formulas so that you don't have to keep entering in the same thing over and over for different calculations. You just, you just cut and paste or copy and paste rather, not cut and paste. Right. so to me, though, that's another old technology that I'm surprised is still around, mm-hmm. at least in the at, at the level that it's still around. Mm-hmm. How about you? Got another one? Well, um, to stick with our earlier topic, uh-huh. the phone book. Ah, yes, the yellow pages. Why? Why does that exist? Why are we killing trees? Well, because not everyone has access to the uh, you know the internet. To look yeah. something up. Although you could argue that they would also have access to it, uh, you know, by calling and you know checking in with uh, directory assistance. I think though that uh, you know th- I think that's a safe argument for printing the phone book. Now the question is, do they need to here in the United States? I don't know how they do it everywhere else in the world. Here in the United States, at least where we are, they deliver a phone book to everybody's house. Yes, there should be an opt out. <laughs> yes, would, it would be nice to have people. Uh, opt in. Say, yes, I do want the phone book. Yes. Uh, or really an opt out would probably be better. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that way you to could start with. Yeah. That way you could say, you know, I've got the internet. I can look up stuff on there. Uh, I've got all the numbers I need of the friends I have. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my friends aren't listed in the phone book. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't want to be listed there. So if the businesses almost all have some sort of web presence, and even right. if they don't, there are a lot of online directories that take the place of Yellow Pages. So, yeah, that's one of those things where I think uh, I would love to not receive that. Now, it does raise the question that if we were to enact that, mm-hmm. we being Kristen, myself, you know, because we have that kind of power. Right. So, so tech stuff enacts the, this thing where we're able to opt out of the uh, the Yellow Pages delivery. If enough people opted out, then would that change the economy of scale of producing the yellow pages so that producing a fewer amount for for the people who stay in is actually more expensive per book and therefore it becomes a problem uh, to fund the printing of the yellow pages? Yeah. Yeah. I, I well, of course, part of the um we make it up in volume is what I'm saying. Yeah, part of the part of the the, the the problem there is that the yellow pages makes its money 
from advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, those those big ads that, that you see on different places for you know when you go look up the plumber uh, or or somebody else, the moving company, and you see the full page ads. They paid you know to reach a certain number of people. Oh, well, we're going to print two million copies of this. Uh, okay, maybe that that's kind of large. There, we're going to print five hundred thousand copies of this. Um, and so your your ad is going to be there in everyone's home that we deliver this to. Um, if they said, okay, well, we're only going to print ten thousand of these books for people who really need them, then they advertise. They can't command that kind of price. Yeah, that's true. So I, you know, I I don't think we're going to mm-hmm. be able to talk them out of uh, dropping them off on our door because I I promptly put them in the recycle bin. But yeah, yeah. So here's here's a similar thing to that. Okay. You know, in the sense that, you know, I know the reason why they're still around. Right. But it's kind of, again, a dying thing. CDs that you need to install programs. Ah, yes. And they're and they're really <laughs> similar when you get right down to it. Yeah. Um, in both cases, not everyone has the technology they need to get the information in an alternate in an way. Alternate way. Yeah. But but yeah, for a lot of people, they're buying computers now that may not even have an optical drive. Mm-hmm. So... There's no use for that CD. It's right. just it's or DVD or DVD. Yeah, it's just taking up uh, space because there's no way to put that in your machine. You, you what you would need is uh, some sort of USB drive, or you would have to connect to the internet mm-hmm. and download whatever drivers you might need for something, uh, as opposed to having a CD for it. And um, I would love to see thumb drives take the place of those just for you know, saving space, plus the fact that. If you can wipe whatever's on that thumb drive off if you don't need it, then you've got some extra storage space. I'm not saying that I do that frequently. I'm just saying I've got a lot of thumb drives. Yeah. Yeah. With a lot of logos on them. Well, that we're getting toward the end of my list to the point where... Um, oh, I've got you, so many more. Well, I've, I've, got a, I've got more on here. But those are the, the things that we've talked about so far um, are things that we sort of think about that... Um, you go, man, why do people have that? Then you realize that, well, really, there are quite a quite a number of people that still depend on those. Do yeah, you have some more of those? Oh, sure. CD, okay, because I have CDs some... and DVDs in general. Yeah, I yeah. think fall into that category, uh, and even Blu-rays at some at, to, to some extent. Um, I think these are not as far along as yeah. say the Yellow Pages, but uh, yeah, I mean, and a lot of companies are very concerned about the fact that these are. Technologies that are slowly becoming obsolete, mm-hmm. and uh, digital distribution is becoming the the like uh, buzz phrase for mm-hmm. entertainment, uh, and that, that causes concern for multiple industries. Netflix, right? Net, well, Netflix thinks it's awesome. Well, no, the thing is, though, they tripped on it. Yeah. Because th- on this very thing, because they were ready to move to a on pure digital, digital distribution, distribution and people and aren't ready yeah, to do people it. People are not ready yet. Yeah, you, you, it is. There is a balance you have to strike between right. pushing people toward a new technology and riding out the wave so that you don't alienate your customer base, right? But the people I think, or the organizations that I think are really concerned with this, you have the MPAA. Oh the, yeah, the RIAA. Yep. So that's the Motion Picture Association of America and the Recording Industry Association of America. So you've got these two different major organizations that have lots and lots of really big companies in them, and they're very much concerned about this because they make a lot of money selling physical media, you know, f- actual physical products that have 
content on them, whether they're right. movies, television shows, music, whatever. Books. Books. So moving from that to a digital one scares a lot of companies yeah. for legitimate reasons. For legitimate reasons. There's, we're not saying that they're, <laughs> they, they shouldn't be scared. Um, and then you've got retail organizations. Mm-hmm. So we've already seen in the United States several retail organizations over the last few years go belly up yeah. because they cannot compete with the digital distribution method. Yep. You know, it's why, hard to find a record store anymore. Right. You, know, you walk into a Best Buy and suddenly all the music and movies aren't front and center like they used to be. Yeah. You know, it used to be that you, as soon as you walked into the the store, all of that was front loaded right there at the very beginning of the store. So you had That's to true. walk through it. Well, as digital distribution gets more and more popular, that section moves further and further back in the store. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. It's because you can't have that be the focus of your store when that whole business model is starting to deteriorate. Right. So I, I put that along the same lines as the installation CDs. And the yellow pages is just it's not quite far as far along. I mean again, right. if you don't have a broadband connection, then physical media is the way to go. Because mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. you cannot physically get the information you need to be able to watch the content or listen to the content you want at a good enough quality. Right. Otherwise you're gonna be buffering every thirty seconds. Trust me, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Until yes. recently that was me. Yeah. Yeah. Um then there are other technologies that I think kind of died out and then came back. <laughs> well, there's one that, that needs to go, oh. especially here in the United States. Hit me. Incandescent light bulbs. Ah, oh, it's a good one. I didn't have that on my list. Yep. The the good old light bulb that has its roots in uh, Edison's and other people's work. Yep. A lot of people say that Edison didn't actually invent the light bulb. Right. Um, he improved uh, upon a design. Yeah, well... He was instrumental, though, in, in getting it into our homes. Yeah, without and, without uh, him, whenever we had a bright idea, we'd have no way of putting uh, some sort of indicator around our heads to let people know we had a bright idea. Yeah, you know, you don't, you didn't hear that little ping noise, sort of, you know. Yeah, and, and the little light bulb over your head. Be like, it'd be like something like, you know, a, a tweet. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they, they use a lot more electricity. They give off a lot more heat. Yes. Um, was, you know, wasted energy. Uh, and, and other products have come along that are superior toward it. Yeah. Uh, to it. Like fluorescence it. and LEDs. Yeah. Of course, fluorescence. Now they have their own problems. Of course, yes. there is mercury in them. Uh, you don't want to just go around smashing fluorescence on the stuff. And, and LED lights tend to them. be more expensive. Yes. So, oh, LEDs are yeah. very expensive, yeah. but they last a whole lot longer and use a lot less electricity. Right. Um, so, you know, there's still, we're still in that transition phase, but we don't have to use incandescents, and some societies have already outlawed them. Yes. That's uh, the true. United States is moving uh, away from them, and of course, it's a big country. There are lots of people. Unfortunately, they're dirt cheap. Yes. Um, yes. That's, that's the, you know, when you get the economics involved, people might say, I understand why you want us to move away right. from these, but these are affordable to us. Even if you present the argument of, well, a fluorescent light bulb is going to last longer, therefore you're going to have to buy fewer of them, and then right. the economy ends up paying out in the long run. Some people are living in a short-term kind of yep. lifestyle. Absolutely. I mean, through no fault of their own, they are they cannot look that far ahead because that's not the way the economy works out for them. Mm-hmm. I've been there too. I've been in that situation where it's paycheck to paycheck, and you 
you think, well, I would love to be more environmentally friendly, and I would love to have something that's going to last longer, but I, I honestly cannot put that in my budget. Right. It's tough. It's not going to be much longer, though. Nope. <laughs> Before there's no choice in the matter. Right. So... Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, well, there's the technology I was talking about that, that essentially died out and has then never really died out, but it definitely faded away and then has come back. Do you know what I'm talking do, about? Do you mean the operating system that just won't die? No, I'm not, but we can talk about that. Okay. So you're talking about XP? Windows XP. Windows XP. All right, so Windows XP was one of those things that got widespread adoption, particularly in, in the business world. Well, it was such an improvement on its predecessor. Yeah. You know, Windows 2000. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a functional system. Let, you know, let's face it, you know, taking everything aside, if you, you put all the operating systems together on a table, XP is a great operating system. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, in general, it's pretty stable. There's, it's a workhorse. It's a workhorse. So many companies have standard on XP. Yeah. Standardized on XP that they're, they're comfortable with it. And that, I think, is the reason it's stuck around is really the corporate world. Um, you know, I, I used to work for a company that would stay one generation of Windows back from what the cutting edge was because everything was stable. They got it where it was working. They had thousands of people to support. And they wanted to make sure all the service packs were out before they would update to the next operating system. Yeah, if you had if you have thousands of employees for your company, then yep. you want you want something that's going to be stable because if you start having failures, you're going to spend more time yes. responding to to problems than you can doing business. And that's yeah. just not a very smart way of doing things. So staying with a, a tried and true system makes sense. This is somewhat complicated by the fact that even though we're at Windows 7, so we're two generations beyond Windows XP now, Windows Vista has a stigma on it about being an undependable, mm, overinflated, difficult-to-use operating system. Now, some of the problems that Vista had early on were addressed by Microsoft. Yes. You know, so it's, it's a different system than it was when it debuted. Mm-hmm. But that being said, that first impression was so negative that a lot of companies just that was that's where they drew the line. They said we are not going to Windows Vista because it's just too many there are too many problems. Beyond that though, a related a related term to this outdated technology uh-huh. idea is the legacy system. Right. So a legacy system is a is any kind of system. It doesn't have to be technology. But in technology, what we're talking about is some sort of system that is a core component of a, the way a business does business. Mm-hmm. And you want to keep that core component going. And replacing it would mean having to, to, uh, to well, reinvent an enormous amount of your business. Mm-hmm. So let's say you've got some sort of computer program that is instrumental to what you do. Mm-hmm. And it runs perfectly on Windows XP. That's the that's the foundation that it was built for. Right. So then when the new operating systems come out, they may not support that legacy system. So you are forced to stay with an older uh, operating system or else you can't do business. Right. So that's one reason why a lot of companies are still on Windows XP. They have some sort of program software application that runs on XP and will not run on anything else. Right. And in order for them to be able to run on something else, they'd have to pour so many resources into building a new tool that does the same thing that their old tool, which is still working perfectly fine for what they need. It just doesn't make sense. Right. You know, that much time, money, and effort, 
you could say, well, we could put that toward this and then update all our systems and then hope everything works, or we could stick with what we have and just concentrate on doing business. Yep. And you know, if you if you have Windows Seven at home and XP at work, you may be frustrated by this, but that you're not really the 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 person that is the most frustrated. Yes. The people who are most frustrated by this are the ones working in Redmond, Washington. Yes. At Microsoft, who have been trying to convince both, uh, you know, the, the casual user and the corporate user to switch over to Windows 7. Yes. And they, the thing is, Windows XP just works. Yeah. They, they, now Microsoft has stopped supporting it. Yep. <laughs> and, they, and they're, they've, they've basically said, look, we're not going to do anything for you. They don't distribute it anymore, really. It's an 11 year old operating system. That said. <laughs> In researching this yesterday, Jonathan and I ran across some very interesting news. Oh, good grief. There was an article in ZDNet Australia that quoted statistics from net applications. In December 2011, and and Windows XP is the dominant operating system out there. It had 46.5% of market share. Yes. And in January 2012... It had 47.19 market share. Windows XP is growing, is continuing to increase in adoption rate. Excuse me for a second while I bang my head against the microphone. Now. <laughs> Carry on. Um, so anyhow, Vista is in third place among the Windows operating systems, and, and Windows 7 is increasing as well. Uh-huh. Um, but... Imagining that a, a, an operating system that has been discontinued is technically no longer supported, you know, and is increasing in market share. That's kind of impressive. Yeah, no, that's that's not the worst of it though. That's the but, XP story is is that's well, that's kind of mind blowing. But well, that's not the most mind blowing story you sent me. No, no, no. And and this is well, the thing is these these two are tied together. And those of you in the know are going to go, uh oh. Yeah. Um, but, but no, the reason I, I mentioned XP first is because Windows XP works. Yes. It, it does what it's supposed to. It's stable. It's pretty secure. But in contrast, in contrast, there's another technology that Microsoft would really, 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 really like to see end of life. Yes. By everyone. And yet. And for very good reasons. And yet it also increased in market share. Please, please go ahead and reveal what it was. Uh, Internet Explorer 6. Uh, Internet Explorer 6 also increased in adoption rate. Uh, um, so Internet Explorer 6. Now that... <laughs> words fail me, really. Um They've, they've, Microsoft has tried its best to kill to Internet kill Explorer 6. 6. It's not, it's, it's not a safe system to use. It's not. And, it's, and websites will warn you when you go on IE6. And there are websites that you it. can't see if you have Internet Explorer 6. You try and go to that website and you won't be able to view it. Please, if you are using IE6, update. Please, please, try anything. Try the newest version of Internet Explorer. We're not even telling you to switch brands. You can, you can update to the latest version of Internet Explorer and it is going to be a world of difference. The only reason I could see anyone using IE6 is that they have a machine too old to run anything better. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are some... The reasons to use legacy systems in a lot of cases have to do with a specific 
tool. Yes. If you are, so let's say that you've got a corporation yes. and that corporation has an internal network, an intranet, yes. not an internet. And that in order to access this intranet, you need to use a specific kind of browser because it was built to support a specific type of browser. Right. Then I could understand as well having Internet Explorer 6. I would pity that person because that is a miserable experience. But that could be the case. You could have a corporate system where, let's say you need to go in and manage things like a a, a digital timesheet or you have to request some vacation time or sick time, or you're doing something like you're changing, you're, you might even be putting in things like an employee record into an, a com- company's intranet system, mm-hmm. and the only way you can access it is through an outdated browser. Um, there are plenty of systems that are like that. I've seen lots of them where they will tell you, don't use any other version of any other browser because some of the functionality will not work if you use it. You might be able to see some stuff and access some of the stuff that's on the uh, the, the corporate intranet, but you're not going to be able to get the full run of it unless you use this particular browser. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah, the uh, an article on Ars Technica um, published on February 1st, 2012, said that in, in January, uh, Internet Explorer... Grew more, its market share grew more than any other browser. In fact, Chrome went down a little bit, but the biggest share of that growth for IE was in IE6. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, people are going to write in to tell you that that was really loud. Yeah. Well, um, but, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's, felt. it's kind of, and I understand. See, the thing is that the, one of the things that's common about most of these technologies is that, uh, um, there, there's some good reason why some people are going to want to use it. You know, perhaps you have a machine that just won't go any, it won't run uh, Vista or or Windows 7 or Windows 8. Uh, you have a machine that that where or you have an intranet where you might need to use IE6 to run it. Otherwise, it won't work. You have a parent who thinks uh, AOL is the internet. Yes, that's possible. I mean, for the light bulb thing, the socket fits the same yeah. size. I really don't have a. Yeah, they're cheap. There yeah. is a reason to use that. The the thing is that the majority uh, of people still using um, IE6 and Windows XP, the majority of those people probably are not doing it because their computers are slow or because they are reliant on a legacy system. It's probably more because their corporate their corporation won't let them update, right. or well, they just don't know. Yeah, there are a lot of people who just have don't have. They they just don't know that there there is a better way out there. Mm-hmm. To them, they've associated a specific kind of browser with that's the internet. Yep. It's not that that's the browser you use to access the internet. So no, that is the to them that is yeah. the internet. It's or a little box with a little blinking light on the top. It yeah. doesn't weigh anything. It's kept yeah. up top of Big Ben. Yeah, this is this is definitely the the type of water cooler thing where you stand around and go, yeah, why do people still use that? I mean, they're in general, there's a reason why people still use some of these things, but why the, why some of them are so widespread is another question. I still have so. a few more. Oh, you do? Yes. There's really? the one that I said had died out but came back. Oh. Uh, this really. I thought you meant IE6. No, no. This is one that. But yeah, I guess it this, didn't die out. This is a different one. And okay. this is one that didn't really die out either. Oh, okay. But it's one of those where it's more for nostalgia's sake, I think, than anything else. The Dreamcast? Vinyl. Oh, yeah. So. 
vinyl records is what we're talking about, not not the material vinyl, but yes. vinyl, vinyl record albums. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, something you would play on a record player. Uh, there are people who argue, audiophiles, who argue that the vinyl gives the best, truest sound to whatever the original recording is. And there are others who say that that's a bunch of baloney, that if you are using the proper digital equipment, there is no humanly detectable way of differentiating the two. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into that too much because it's, it's frankly, it's something that I would need to see a lot more studies on because there are lots of different arguments to either side. And there are certain people out there who have very, very finely attuned senses of hearing that might be able to detect those differences. I'm not one of them. I do not have a great sense of he- hearing, so perhaps the fault is on my me and not on the technology. But still, it's interesting to me that vinyl has never really gone away considering that uh, a lot of the the trend has been to favor convenience over perceived quality. Mm-hmm. Right, because when MP3s got really popular, a lot of them were recorded at terrible bit rates, and you were losing a lot of information. And right. in some cases, that was detectable. You, you could tell that you were losing some of the highs and lows. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, variation between the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs, so you weren't getting a really dynamic sound like you could with a better recording. Mm-hmm. But today, that's not as big a di- an issue. Right. Well, with people having higher uh, bandwidth connections. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more willing to to do that because you're you're able to include some of the frequencies that um, you know make the sound richer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of those where I'm just surprised. Now that being said, I own a lot of vinyl, folks. Well, I'm a vinyl fan. And there's a um, there's a been a resurgence in manufacturing mm-hmm. vinyl. Yeah. Uh, which is funny because the the equipment almost completely died out. Yeah. There was a there was a time in the late 80s and into the 90s where finding a turntable was if you weren't if you weren't buying DJ equipment it was pretty much yeah uh, it was you had to go to like some sort of hobby store or yeah, like an audio store. file yeah and place. now now you can find them all over the place in fact I see them like I've seen plenty of ones that you plug in via USB to a yeah. computer where you can rip things to MP3 or you can actually just listen to it over a computer or uh, plug it into uh, another sound system. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's so it's started to it's been enjoying a, a resurgence. No, nowhere near what it was when that was the way to listen to music. Yeah, you know, I don't want to give the wrong impression, but it has come back from what looked like it was. It looked like it was going to go extinct. Yeah, and a lot of uh, a lot of independent bands have been recording and releasing their records on vinyl. Yeah, pressing to vinyl um, because. Uh, Truth be told, it's not as as expensive as you might think. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, it's it's enjoyed a resurgence in in popularity for bands as a you know, hey, look how cool we are. We have a vinyl record. Yeah, it's kind of a gimmick almost. But, in a uh, way. Yeah, for some folks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also wrote down typewriters because they still have not died away. I haven't seen a typewriter in public in a long time. No, but I used to work in an office that still used typewriters to fill out forms. Instead of trying to create digital forms, they still had physical forms and physical typewriters that you had to use to fill out the forms. It was not that long ago. So I have them down here. Okay. I mean, maybe they've died out in the five years since I joined How Stuff Works. It's possible. That's that's long enough, but uh, I... I have a feeling that if I went back to this office, I would still find that typewriter. Okay. And it would be mocking me, as it always did. Um, and then, let's see, do I have anything else? Like, yes, there is something else I have. Mm-hmm. 
uh, scheduled television. Ah, yes. Yeah, because now we've reached a point where with the uh, the invention of DVRs mm-hmm. and with streaming services like Hulu and Netflix, the the importance of a TV schedule has decreased dramatically. Yeah. Right. Like back in back in the day, uh, you would have to plan your night <laughs> around around your stories. Yep. Uh, if you wanted to watch television, so if you wanted to watch, you know, a particular sitcom, you had to be there in front of your TV at 8 p.m. on a Thursday night, or else you weren't going to see it. Yep. Uh, or you had to set a, a VCR to tape it later on. You could do that. But, yeah, now but before we, that, even you know, yeah. uh, before VCRs became household items, you know. Yeah. And that's yeah, another you, one too. Yeah. VCR, but VCRs are pretty much on the way. They're out, pretty much so. dead. Uh, yeah, VCRs are almost dead. So, but yeah, the scheduled television stuff before there were VCRs, the only other option you had was to set your kid down and tell have the kid just act out the entire episode when you got home, so you could find out what happened on Mash. <laughs> I okay. know, I know, season seasons two through four like the back of my hand. All right. Anyway, uh, yeah, the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that now we have DVRs and we have streaming services. Even DVRs now are starting to kind of yeah. reach a point where I think a lot of people are are, are moving away entirely from uh, worrying about uh, recording stuff that's on the air right now. Well, for uh, one thing, so many of them come out on DVD later. Yeah, or or in some other form as a collection, so you right. can ca- catch up on an entire series. Yeah, know, all at once all if you wanted once. to. Yeah, so I think uh I think that's one of those dying technologies and you know that's a tough one because mm-hmm. again that's t- that's another one that's industry that that will completely change industries. Yeah. And anything that's going to completely change an industry, it's going to be a tumultuous and 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 drawn out affair. Yeah. It's not something that happens very quickly usually unless it's catastrophic. Um uh, but Normally, it's going to take a while. There's going to be a lot of resistance. We're seeing that. There's a lot mm-hmm. of resistance to it for a good reason, again, because the economies that are involved are huge. Yeah. And the considerations you have to make are enormous. And, you know, the fact that there's just not as much – there's not as much money mm-hmm. streaming to the to the Internet as there would be going through a cable or broadcast approach. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just – it's that's the truth. There's not as much money there. And if uh, you've got a big corporation that requires a lot of money to to generate the content that it makes, that raises some very tough questions. Like, where do you start making cuts? Do you do you make huge cuts in the corporate personnel? Do you also have to make huge cuts in the production costs for your shows or your movies? There's been a lot of discussion about that recently with uh, with movie blockbusters about whether or not. The blockbuster itself is perhaps an outdated concept. Mm-hmm. That perhaps it's we've we've really pushed the concept of blockbuster so far that they are having these massive overinflated budgets, yeah. and maybe it's time to stop that and really focus on making movies a different way, where it's more uh, efficient and economical, and maybe the focus isn't so much on spectacle. Now that's a totally separate argument, but it does at least tangentially tie into this idea of the scheduled TV event where we don't have to be in front of our sets at a set time and place anymore. Right. You know, we can, we have a lot more flexibility to get uh, entertainment on demand with the exception of things like live events, like sports and things like that. Uh, So I think that that is definitely uh, on the bubble. Yeah. You know, in a, in another maybe five or 10 years, 
uh, scheduled TV is going to be kind of a, a thing of the past, um, with the exception of live events. Yeah. Well, I think, too, that that's going to require um, more people to have availability of the technology. Yeah. You know, because not everyone can afford a DVR. Or uh, even... Or broadband internet access. But we're starting to see that stuff being built into the television sets themselves. True. So, again, in five or ten years, you're going to have the average TV set sold at whatever store you go to is going to have a lot of internet connectivity stuff built into it. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't solve the problem of broadband penetration. If you don't have broadband penetration, it doesn't matter how advanced your TV is, you're not going to be able to get that content. Right. But assuming that the broadband penetration problem has been addressed enough so that there is this transition, mm-hmm. then I think we do see a, a, an end to the scheduled TV approach. And you just, what you'll do is you turn your television on and you say, I want to watch this one particular program. Uh, I want to watch this one particular episode and it pulls it up. And it may be that it's a subscription based thing. It may be it's a per episode payment thing. I'm not saying that it's going to be free all the time, mm-hmm. but it's definitely going to be a different model than what we're used to right now. Okay. It won't, you know, it'll no longer be like, you know, oh, it's Thursday night. This is when these, the, my, my favorite three shows come on. It'll right. be, hey, I got home. It's time to watch my favorite show. Okay. So, and I think that's, uh, let me look. And uh, did I miss anything on my list? No, that's all the things I have on my list. Okay, then. Uh, not that, not to suggest that that's the only outdated technology we have that we rely on on a day to day basis. Yeah. Well, if people have their, uh, you know, a favorite outdated technology that they didn't, think made our list for good reason, then you, they should write us and let us know. I mean, there's plenty of other stuff we could talk about, like like coal-powered power plants, that kind of stuff, right? Where we could say, look, there are alternatives that we could look into that may be uh, more environmentally friendly. But even so, these have their own sets of, of restrictions and problems. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, you could argue that, saying like, hey, look at the state of the world. Isn't, isn't like anything that burns fossil fuels, isn't that outdated? And I would agree with you in the sense that I think we really need to move to things that aren't going to be as as uh, dangerous to the environment. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the situation is a bit more complex than just saying, hey, this is an old way of doing things. Right, right. There are, there are such complex issues with that uh, that it's not – it's not an easy thing to solve. If it were easy to solve, we would have solved it already. Yeah. But the truth is, life is complicated. It moves pretty fast. <laughs> if you don't stop, look around, you might miss it. Uh... And with that, we're going to conclude this episode of Tech Stuff. If you guys have suggestions for future topics, or you have an outdated technology you just want to bring up to, to our attention, let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle at both of those is techstuffhsw. Or you can send us an email, and our email address is techstuff at discovery.com. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?